welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and we are continuing a a really important conversation uh, about uh, just equipping the global church. And and, and some of that is is from these other conversations we've had with some of our global partners, especially surrounding the the conference that we had in Dubai in July, but really just continuing this conversation about why it's so important that we equip the church. You know, the church is so much bigger than what we see just here in North America. It's so much bigger than what we see in any context that we live in just in our country. Uh, The church truly is global. And Lord has given us commands. He's given us uh, different uh, things that he has asked us to do as his people and as his church. And ultimately, it's a command, not just for certain regions or certain parts of the world or certain churches in parts of the world, but it's a command and a a word that is for all of us within the church uh, to do and to live out. So today we are so grateful to have joining us uh, both Oscar and Beth Perez. Uh, Oscar is on our unadopted team and leads in Latin America. He is originally from Cartagena, Colombia, but he now uh, lives here in Birmingham with his wife, Beth, and their dog, Coco. Uh, And uh, Oscar is mi jefe mejor. He is the big boss. Uh, He is the one that is going to truly help us learn so much more about looking at the global church. He's also in seminary right now and is learning so much more about the ecclesiology of the church and, and really why the church is so important and why ministry must be done in and through church. Uh, Beth, who I'm going to go ahead and say will be probably called Sassy uh, during this podcast because that's just what she is. Uh, She joined Lifeline in August of 2011, sharing her bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of Mobile and continued her education at the University of Alabama, where she received a master's in social work in 2011. She's a licensed social work and works with our global education team and our education team. She's actually the director of our educational programs, and she's had the opportunity to travel overseas to several countries, Central and South America, uh, throughout Africa, Europe, and Asia. She has a growing context for seeing God's glory through the church and through God's people around the world. But before we bring on Oscar and Sassy Beth, and of course the venerable Dr. Rick, I wanna remind you about Bridge Educational Services. You know, as we are approaching another school year and are in the midst of another school year, this is a great time for us to look at ways that we can help our children educationally. And Bridge Educational Services was created to walk alongside parents as they help their children from hard places meet their educational potential. It has cognitive development evaluations, personalized educational support, in-office or online support, and this is all built for the child so that they can be able to to learn and to grow in the way that they need. It will also include support for the parent, whether it's in a homeschool environment, an online learning environment, or learning in a classroom setting. You can always visit our website, lifelinechild.org, to learn more about Bridge Educational Services, or as always, you can look at our show notes. Well, Dr. Rick, I know that for you and I, 
Oh, this whole idea of the global church and equipping the global church is is such a, a dear piece of our heart. You and I have had so many conversations really over the last several decades about how orphan care and adoption, for whatever reason, has really been centered in North America and specifically in the United States. But that this is not a call for the church in the United States. This is a call for the global church. And We've had the opportunity together to speak in many different contexts to pastors and church leaders and to see the work that's being done by the global church, to see not only that work that's being done on a gospel-driven justice, but the gospel proclamation, I know is a is, is, a, is something that humbles both of us and is also just a, a true joy and a delight. So, Dr. Rick, what, what are your thoughts as we bring on Oscar and Sassy Beth about this whole idea of equipping the global church. Herbie, first thing is I just am excited to talk to a couple of my favorite people in the world. And, you know, um, we, we share that heart. And, and one of the things that has been, uh, has been great in, in the time that I've, you know, known Beth and the time that I've known Oscar is to see that we share a heart for, um, for God's church uh, in Christ church among the nations, whatever nation, um, to be the vehicle to, um, not only care for orphans, but to proclaim the gospel in their own community. And, and so, um, you're right. We've had, we've had many, 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 many conversations over the years. And, uh, and some of those conversations that we've had have involved these two. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's fun, I think for us to be able to just have a little bit of a time set aside today to maybe, um, invite folks to, you know, pick up a cup of coffee and, and come sit at the table with us and, and listen to some of the things that we, uh, we kind of find ourselves talking to each other about, um, a lot. And, and so, um, Beth, Oscar, welcome. How are you guys? Thank you. We're doing great. We're happy to be here. Yeah, we, I'm honored particularly to be here and having this conversation. I know that, uh, uh, the global church is something that are, is so close to your heart as is in mine. So um, I can, I mean, uh, I can't even describe the assignment I'm having right now to have this conversation with you guys. And, you know, I think maybe the way to, to jump into things is just um, I'd, I'd like to kind of go right into the thing that Herbie was talking about, even in, you know, in the opening is um, I think, in, you know, there is there's a, a, a feeling sometimes in. American churches in, in North America that orphan care is something we go other places to do and that, that other nations and other contexts are like they're receiving people to come and do orphan care. But we don't think many times of in, in terms of the, the local church in, in communities all over the world being the ones that are both either doing orphan care but also are responsible ultimately to, to care for orphans. And, and so I know that is a, a subject that is that kind of strikes at the heart of, of what your hopes and dreams are and, and what you believe the Lord's called you to. And, and so why is understanding that um, orphan care applies to every church in every country, um, why is understanding that truth vitally important? Um. Uh, I want to start with the, 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 the answering that question, saying like, because the, the Bible is still important. And that's something coming from the Bible, right? So we can see from the very cover of the Bible, from Moses writing Exodus, 
in chapter uh, 22, he's saying his uh, people, the people of Israel, in the middle of the desert, is saying, like, we need to care for orphans. So if we go through the whole Bible systematically, we can see the word orphans and, and God through the prophets, through Moses, through everyone in the Old Testament, reminding his people about caring for orphans, caring for a widow, caring from uh, the stranger. So um, we can see like it's that, that for me, that's that that's the importance of uh, orphan care still. Uh, I think that understanding is super important for us to to know. And I think that may, makes the orphan care uh, way more important than it is. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think one of the biggest challenges is, and hitting on what Oscar said, is this wasn't written for North Americans going abroad. Does that make sense? Like when scripture was written, it had the history of that in the past. And so just thinking through what that's going to look like for um, us today and how we play it out today, it's empowering to know that we are each going through this together and we're all called to this together. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, one of the things that um, that that is I, I, I've really kind of latched onto this idea in the last few years that part of the responsibility that we have in in doing orphan care is is demonstrating to the world um, God's character and, and who he is as a redeemer. And when when we take that responsibility away from the church uh, in any place. We're, we're essentially taking away from the church their like their God-given role to reflect Christ into their culture and and for you know for the for the people of God to be you know acting like our our Father and and so we we send a message that really leads people away from understanding who God is when we trust that to someone else to do and and whether that be you know government or. NGOs or anything, but also when we trust, you know, sort of people outside of our, our context to be the ones that are primarily doing that. And so I think, um, and, and I, I, and I'll be the first to say that, um, both of you have been, um, significant teachers to me, um, just in learning and understanding the, the way to initiate that passion and the way to, um, you know, the way to help the church to, to be able to, um, you know, come, come to grips with that. I think Oscar, that maybe I'll, I'd, I'd love to ask a follow-up, um, being involved in, in a, in a culture and in a place where, where orphan care was maybe not necessarily something that was on the top of the list for the church. Um, how did how did God work in your heart and your life to re- reveal that truth to you? <laughs> uh, you were saying before that you're grateful for us because we've been teaching you guys something. Like uh, I, I will I will say the positive. I've been learning from you guys, and I remember that all this passion God when I got to know you guys and, and I got to know the, the mission or lifeline. And we when we say as an statement like our vision is equipping the body of Christ, and we when we go. Who is the body of Christ? Is is the church? Is the global church? Is those local congregations in every country? So we were like, okay, so we we exist to equip those local congregations in the in, in, in every country. So I I was like, yes, we need to do this. We need to replicate know what is happening here in the states, but see what can work here in different part of uh, 
in my case, Latin America and started doing equipping the church first from the biblical perspective, because like you say, it wasn't nothing there. I remember the first time Herbie uh, came down to Colombia and, and we had pastors crying yeah. and confessing that they've been in seminary all of his life. They had master degree, they had doctorates, and they were like, we never took seriously. Um, we never considered seriously how the church get, should get involved in orphan care. So all that to say from my side, I've been learning a lot from you guys. And I'm just trying to apply everything that I learned from you guys into my context that is Latin America. Yes, there is a church there. There is, there is local congregations that are part of a global, a global church. Yes, our, our statement, our faith statement, our mission statement, sorry, is equipping the local, equipping the body of Christ. There's the body of Christ there. So bringing all of this together, I think like, just like putting the hands in the church to say like, church, we're here just to support mm-hmm. you. We're here to remind you there is a mandate, there is a, the Bible uh, apply has to, to go and do something for, for, for the orphan and for the vulnerable. So I, I think that's, uh, for me, that's, that, that's the point. Yeah, and I think even as we look at the global church and and how we want the global church to be engaged, obviously, too, culture plays a big part in this, right? Because the church, while it doesn't take on, should never be, right, uh, a, a thermometer for culture, but a thermostat, even helping set the culture. The context and the culture does come into play, even about uh, how the church is getting engaged, what the church looks like, right? Because the church looks different in each and every culture. Um, You know, in Africa, for instance, uh, where we've all been, people walk to church. They don't take a car. If if all of a sudden in North America, you told people they had to walk to church or they couldn't go to church, people wouldn't go to church very much, right? So even culture and, and different ways of life take into it. But can you talk a little bit about, even as we equip the global church, why culture is so much a part of that and why it's why it's so important and something that we have to consider. Well, I'll start and of course please jump in. Um one thing we've just learned is um I want to say it gently is just figuring out the way of communication first and foremost. So really just kind of understanding what is going on within the church dynamic and the country and the culture as in of itself. Why are children coming into care? What are these causes? Why are people vulnerable in these countries? And so even just kind of talking about it from that format and understanding those things, it really helps us better communicate to the local church. How can they get engaged? How Mm -hmm. can they respond? Obviously through the lens of the gospel and centered on the gospel and the foundation there, but really just those practicalities of removing barriers, I would say, and then kind of creating this informed um way of helping them and supporting them as they say and ask the lord how are we to engage like it's a really important that we are considering those things so that way again we just remove those barriers and that they know exactly how to get engaged but mm-hmm. i'd love for you to speak to this no more. um that's that's totally correct what herbie was just sharing yeah. the, the why doesn't change the why the why is the same exactly. for the church here in america or the church in latin america or the church in africa Asia, asia the why is going to be the same. It's not going to change. The gospel goes through culture, right? But when we, we go to the how, how can we get involved? How the global church can get involved in, in each continent that God has planted it? Mm-hmm. It's where we're going to find the difference. Per se, in Latin America right now, the, the how can we get involved is more family care. 
But when we go to Africa, it may, may look a little bit different. When we mm. go to Asia, it's going to look different. So it's going to take from the church. And those that are grasping the message that we need to do something, we are, the Bible is appealing, appealing us to do something, is go and investigate what is the thing that we can do. Is a family care is something that we can do, or is it still like I know, maybe having kids inside a, a, a house, uh, a, a small house, a big house. Uh, what, what, can, what can even uh, we start doing? Going and working with the family and do some family preservation. That is maybe this is another topic. Uh, so there is too many things. What I want to just to uh, maybe like. Uh, put a little bit here is the why doesn't change, the how might may change, depending on the continent. And that's what the church in the continent need to start investigating. What are, what are all those things that we can do as a church? What are all those things that legally and the government mm -hmm. going to the government, asking the government, what is those things that we can do for family preservation or those kids uh, 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 that are taking away from their family for mm -hmm. different reasons? Yeah, and one of the things, Jefe, that you just keep touching on, and, and for those who maybe are hearing, you're, you're saying the word family preservation, which is such a strong word. And in a lot of contexts, I think even people in North America, when they envision orphans, when they envision the vulnerable child, they think of orphanages, they think of institutions. But the truth of the matter is in most places, there's a lot of community support. Um, there's a there's a lot of kids that are hanging on by a thread to maybe a family and family preservation is really a place where the church can truly jump in and get engaged. Can can you both talk a little bit more about why family preservation is so important and how this is really a place for the church to enter in? Uh, I would like to jump in there and something that I learned from you Rick, <laughs> was the, 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 the sample of the pie. When you have a pie, a broken pie in your house, you don't go and just grab the bucket and put it there, right? You're going to go and investigate where is that pie broken. And you want to feed the pie from there. It's the same thing when we go to orphan care. We don't go to the root of the problem. We're going to keep helping kids, helping kids, helping kids, mm -hmm. but not going to the root, which is the family. Or that uh, uh, young lady that uh, is... is about to have a baby and she doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Those pregnancy crises that are not only here in America, but it's growing in Latin America. And I guess that it's growing in other continents. So if we don't go to there, if we don't pay attention to what is going on there, what we're going to do is just fixing something and putting a band-aid in a wound that is deeply, deeply, deeply... Um, how, do you, how do you say that? Like... And a cat that is deeply wounded. I don't mm -hmm. know if that yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. But uh, it, it's that, Herbie. So family preservation is, <laughs> let's say, like we're going to need like another hour <laughs> to talk about that because <laughs> it's something that we don't pay attention to. Yeah. This is something that we just go and say we're going to work with kids of uh, uh, orphan kids and we just see the problem, but we don't see the root of the problem. And we need to go back and see the root of the problem. And that's when family preservation takes place. And I think just kind of talking through that on a micro and a macro level, you've got, um, sorry, I tend to be a little more clinical in nature, but um, when you think about, I mean, one, can we prevent a lot of this trauma in the lives of these children, first and foremost? Like, 
it is great to respond. Like we do not want to negate the the importance of responding to the need at hand and the life of a child, but that's maybe separated from their birth family right now. But if we could just look and peel it back, and I think the more we get into this, more and more passionate we all get is what if what if we could pre- prevent that? Like what if we were proactive in that? And um, we know that God designed families and his, his good design is for family units to be together. And um, so if we could honor that and love that and preserve that family unit, that is that is ideal when it is safe first and foremost. And then also looking to the responding when that is not, you know, possible. Mm-hmm. But on a macro level, we're also looking at, you know, generational cycles and we're looking at social changes and we're looking at cultural issues because we know um, the cycle of orphan care when these children age out, we've got this whole nother situation, but most of them become, many of them, if not most, become parents who will become at risk themselves. And so when we look at that, we're kind of repeating those cycles and over and over, and we're asking the Lord to stop that when we really are able to focus in on preservation. Yeah. And I want to add just one last <laughs> thing. Like, I think like the church in general, when we're talking about um, from a developed country, we mm-hmm. are just focusing those 0.5% that are going to be adopted yeah. and try to work for those 0.5% for getting the 99.5% and how the local local community can work with those guys, can, can work with those uh, girls that are never going to see adoption. But guess what? There is a church there. God's has plenty of church there. A family is being there it can display the love of God and the love of mm-hmm. bigger family than we can have here, here in, in earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that I was I was really impressed by as I saw, um, you know, what began to happen in the church in Colombia is is this idea that, um, you know, you guys just went in and preached and taught truth, right? Like pointing back to the biblical mandate and but then really entrusted to to the church in Colombia to take ownership of what the solutions could be and and rather than you know having a preconceived notion of well here are the five types of ministry you need to do there was this sense of we know the way that it's always been done but what could we do and and what could you do and 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 so there's this um this incredible, you know, level of, of personal ownership on the part of the church. But one of the things that, um, and I, I'll like, I'll not forget where I even where I was when I, when you first, like I first saw this was kind of this idea of the, the cycle of orphan care. Um, and, and one of the things that, that we used in Columbia was, um, was something that the two of you kind of put together as a, as a teaching tool to say, how can we understand um, sort of the, the world or the heart or the, the plight of, you know, of the orphan? And so um, can you unpack maybe a little bit of like, what is that cycle and how can we use that to talk to people um, about broadening their view of all of what orphan care looks like? Yeah, I'm gonna try to do my best to explain it without having to do I'm sorry, bro. Like, I, it's good stuff, and so do your best. It's because it's great. Uh, I, I, well, I'm gonna put all my best out here. So when we started talking about 
the, the, the cycle of uh, vulnerability or the, the orphan cycle, we started from a broken family, right? A family that can support. That imagine we are drawing a circle. And that first point that we're going to draw is that family that can't, for any situation, whether it is uh, their capacity or whether it is they just want to neglect that, that kid. Or let's think about that woman that is in a, a pregnancy crisis, that she doesn't know what to do, or she already decided to abo- uh, uh, do an abortion, right? So mm-hmm. let's start from there, and let's imagine that that first uh, point of the cycle is, is that family. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen if this family or this uh, young lady or this woman um, decide to have the baby? But she, in the middle of the way, she, 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 she finds that she can be capable to raise that baby, right? That baby is going to go to another side. It's going to be maybe like um, government protection, the same thing like when the government intervenes and see the, the kid in any situation being neglected and take the kid away from their family till their family put it together. And they, they, they judge or the office, the DHR office in this uh, CPS office in this context, see that the family is capable to, to have that kid back or to, keep, uh, to have the kid back, yeah. So imagine that. What is going to happen in that space, right? So we go there, but if we go to the other point, this is the second point that I'm going. So if we go to the third point, what is going to happen in the judge or the CPS office or anybody in different contexts that are in charge of uh, making decisions for these kids, decide that the family is not capable to ca- take care of this kid. They're gonna do a a, a, a a plan. They have to. They have to. They have to put a plan together, right? Mm-hmm. So if we go and go and go, we see till maybe the ninety nine point five percent of those kids age out. Right, mm-hmm. so we go and draw all of this cycle. We see it's something that I we thought like, what about if we put the church in the middle? Because this is happening in our backyards. Mm-hmm. Anywhere the church is is whether whether here in Birmingham, Alabama, Bogota, Colombia, <laughs> Guatemala City, or uh, Uganda. That's a church. This is happening in the backyard of the church. Mm-hmm. So what about if we put the church in the middle? and see all of this cycle happening in the backyard. Yeah. And then you put the tools that we have as an organization. Yeah. That's that's where, where I think Beth wanted to jump. <laughs> what about we put those tools that we have as an organization, respecting the context, like Herbie started the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, what are those tools, what is the context that we have to respect when we come to these tools, right? And we equip the church not only to work with those kids in the orphanage, but working with the kids that are about to get into the orphanage with their uh, uh, biological family or, the, or that woman that is in a pregnancy crisis. What about if we equip the church to go and work with the age child mm-hmm. kids? But what about in that circle, we, we equip the church not only to go and visit the orphanage, but also like open, open up their houses to do foster care mm-hmm. or even to do domestic adoption. So, I, I, like I say, I w- I've been trying to do my best to explain <laughs> the circle, and I hope that you that makes sense. You did great. <laughs> but, well, I think that, and I think the point, like the, the, 
and you made the point. The point is that the church is in the middle. Like at every one of these points, in every one of these places, like the church doesn't just have one specific place that they can intervene or that the church can be useful. The church can come alongside in every one of those places, whether it be in a family that's in peril or if it's in a, you know, an institution or if it's in coming alongside the government as they're you know, trying to, to, to help the situation for a family and that the, the church doesn't, doesn't have just one place in this, the church kind of permeates the whole system. And so you, you said it beautifully. Yeah. And I think it's to help the church and identify what is those points that uh, they can, be, they can intervene, you know, mm-hmm. and see how they can, that they can find out those, those, those solutions in the end. I think one of my favorite things I've seen is when, um, and this just applies to the global church, not just Colombia, not just the U.S., but when um, we get our hands dirty and we start somewhere in this cycle, right? Like we were talking about like where we can intervene. It, it builds, the Lord uses that to build our passion and our, open our eyes to the next need and the next need and the next thing we can do. And we learn that people in our congregations have different giftings, different passions, different skill sets. So it, it ends up opening the door on multiple levels. And I just... I think that's one of the most precious things. I think our church in Columbia, for example, thought, oh, we'll get involved in foster care and adoption. But now they're volunteering. They're mentoring. Like, I mean, they're asking us for family preservation support. You know, like we just see that the Lord opens that heart and that mindset to say, oh, you know, the next thing is needed. The next mm-hmm. thing is needed. And it just becomes this wildfire. And it's just absolutely precious. As, as, an, as an example, Greek, uh I remember when we, I was in Guatemala with Herbie, and we were told that the church doesn't want to get involved at all. And all of a sudden, we, we, we met with a church that is already having foster care family from the whole congregation. They were adopting, they were doing a mentorship, mm-hmm. they were doing family preservation, and we were like, that's not what we've been told. <laughs> But also, like, we were grateful to find the beauty of the church because they grabbed the biblical mandate and they wanted to do something, and they were already doing it beautifully. Mm-hmm. So that just that's an example that we can put there. Like, it doesn't need to be um, um, super wealthy church to get involved in orphan care. So as we think about that, we've talked a lot about the um, the, the churches among the nations and the way they respond. What about the church here in the U.S.? How, how can we be um, more um, sensitive to the needs of local churches? And how can churches here partner well with churches um, wherever they may be around the world? Yeah, I was going to say, Oscar is very passionate about this, but before he gets excited, I'll jump in a little. Um, I think... Uh, so I'm American. Oscar's Colombian. I lived in Colombia. And I think I, from a blind spot for so long, was doing missions and orphan care from such a way that was like us to them, just to be totally vulnerable, you know, and say like, you know, there's a passion there to see local believers step up. But I don't know that I was fully engaging in that. I was doing traditional missions, if that makes sense. And um, really being able to learn through Oscar and just so many other of our global partners on the ground that are just phenomenal um, to really see a that there is a local church on the ground that does want to be engaged and who likely already is starting to get engaged in some different ways. But um, 
one of the things I've learned the most is instead of sending teams that will come in on a level of doing it for the church, if that makes sense, or doing it for those on the ground, but really coming in alongside in a way that's going to foster a long-term relationship between the local church and what is happening on the ground and meeting the needs of that that community, um, kind of joining in on their vision, if that makes sense, and serving, being a behind-the-scenes kind of servant, if that makes sense, an encourager and servant um, that really puts the church on display because we're going to leave likely, you know, if we're coming in on a short-term mission trip or on a project or, you know, whatever that level of relationship looks like, we really want to empower those who are going to be on the ground doing this day in and day out and ultimately discipling, you know, their, those in their own community. So any way that really empowers um, the local church, I think that would be key, but I would obviously uh, default to Oscar and y'all a little no, bit more on this. I think that the only thing I, I wanted to add to what you just say is knowing that we are not the solution. The church from developing countries is not the solution. And I think like that, that can uh, that can bring a difference when it comes to uh, how the church here in the state can get involved in orphan care. Is first, we are not the solution at all. <laughs> we can go and support what they're doing and be witness what they're doing and in some point encourage. It's uh, help as an encouragement what the people is doing in the ground, but never ever, never ever think that we are the solution. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the church from developing developing countries is the solution to this uh, orphan care crisis. Well, I think there's so much that we need to learn and to grow in when it really does come into engaging the church. And ultimately, we all need to remember that the church is the bride of Christ. It's the hope of the world. When Jesus left, he left the church. And it's the church that's supposed to do things. Organizations like Lifeline and our ministry arms of Unadopted and all the rest are there to ultimately serve the church because the church will survive. The church may meet in different places. It may have different people meeting together, but ultimately the church will survive. Parachurch and organizations and NGOs will come and go. The church will stay and the church will survive. And also the church is the model by which the gospel goes forth. And that is the most important message that we can preach and the most important thing that we can do. And so we would love for you to reach out more to Lifeline so that we can help you get your church engaged or help you get your small group engaged. Or if you would like to help us as we equip the global church to ultimately manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. Thanks for joining us today for the Defender Podcast. We certainly hope that we'll see you again, Lord willing, next week. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>